Well, good morning. Do you know that we are about, have been gone 32 days without having to listen to a political ad on TV? It got bad, didn't it? It got ugly. You talk about conflict. It got so bad, I almost, almost wanted that huge Florida, huge (laughs) guy to come back. But almost, almost. And unfortunately, he is back. Uh, It got ugly, the conflict back and forth and all of that. And I think you and I, all of us in America, were like, please, let's just vote and get over it, right? There was a guy at one of the, uh, in the audience at one of the debates who asked a question. His name was Carl Becker. And he asked the question, uh, question of the candidates, would you say one thing that you respect about the other candidate? And I remember watching and thinking to myself, oh, I remember the, the audience clapped. Everybody went, oh, what's going to happen? Because you know, there was nothing nice to be said. What Carl was asking for is what we ask for when there's conflict in our life. And that is, is there a way for us to have some peace in the midst of the conflict? Can we take a break from the conflict? Can there be peace that comes in the midst of conflict? Peace is the opposite. It's the other side of the coin from conflict. And it's what you and I desire. It's what you and I long for in life. Because like you know and like I know, like you have and like I have, conflict is everywhere. And we can't escape it. We have it in every arena of our life, whether it's work, school, uh, whether it's in our own families. Listen, if you have young children here this morning, there was conflict in your family, right? Getting everybody up, getting everybody dressed, making sure the shoes are on the right feet. Everybody's got to eat. Everybody's got to get in the car. Everybody's got to check into SSK. Everybody's got to get the right tag to the right class. You've got to get in here and find a seat for some of you This is a peaceful hour for you. There's been conflict in your family. Um, For me, it happens, conflict happens the most when I get behind the wheel of my car. I don't know what comes over me when I get behind the wheel of my car. It's better now than it used to be, but everything becomes a competition for me. Every other driver is out to get me. Every other driver is out to irritate me. Every other driver is out to get in front of me. And I'm not going to let it happen. (laughs) You heard the story about the gentleman, the man who had a daughter, and his job every day on the way to work was to drop his daughter off at school. Every day, every day. And a business trip that he had to go on. And uh, so his wife had to do the duties of dropping off the daughter at school. So she pulls up to school and says, honey, have a good day. She says, mommy, can I ask you a question? His mom says, sure, you can ask me a question, but hurry, you've got to get on to school. She says, I just want to know where all the idiots are today. <laughs> you don't have conflict, just wait till you try to leave the parking lot today, and we're, we'll have conflict for you, okay? Conflict surrounds us. Today, some of you are neck deep in conflict. It's gotten really, really bad. You, we want and we need maybe just a moment of peace. Well, Pastor Kirk came to me a few months ago and he said, Hey, Tim, how'd you like to kick off the Christmas season? And I, as my boss, I said, I will. I will. I'll do that. And uh, so where do you want me to do that? From Matthew's account or Luke's account? And he said, No, I want you to tell John's account. To which I said, Okay, 
But John starts when Jesus was 30 at his baptism by John the Baptism. And there was a little, he read a little confusion on my face. He goes, oh, no, I don't want you to tell John's gospel account. I want you to tell John's account as he wrote it in the book of Revelation. To which I laughed. To which he laughed because he enjoys seeing me struggle. We're talking about conflict, and in the traditional realm of Matthew and Luke, there's not a whole lot of conflict going on. We don't focus on the conflict. We focus on silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. And there's no conflict unless you look a little deeper at it. And, you know, there would be conflict if you were a woman eight and a half months pregnant and need to ride a donkey for 70 miles to get to your hometown. I understand Joseph probably had a little conflict going on in his life. And if you show up at the hotel and they've lost your reservation and it's packed and you've got to sleep out back, I understand there might be a little conflict there. Or for some of you ladies, these visitors that keep showing up unannounced to see my bundle of joy, there's some conflict there. But in John's account, in the book of Revelation, we get to look behind the curtain. We get to look at the story behind the story. The scene from behind, the things that you and I don't typically get to see, a place that we typically don't look at, and people and characters that we typically don't think of when we look at the Christmas story. John gives us a glimpse behind the scenes. And this is epic kind of stuff, conflict going on. I mean supernatural conflict that begins to happen. And John, he shows us the stuff that you and I can't see, and he shows us where conflict came from, where it's at and where it's going. So if you want, let's look at Revelation chapter, one, uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. Now what I want to do is I want to work through these verses with you, so we'll talk through those. I, a great sign appeared in heaven. Now stop at the great sign. I don't know if this was one of those electronic billboards. I don't know if it was a movie screen. I don't know if it was just a dream that he was having. But John says there was this vision that appeared, this sign out of heaven. And a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. This woman could be one of two people. Theologians think it either could be Mary, the mother of Jesus, or it could be Israel, Uh, the entire nation of Israel. The idea behind this woman, though, is this is where the Messiah will come from. So whichever, whichever camp you camp out in, it's where the Messiah will come from. And she's clothed uh, with the sun, the crown, uh, the, the moon under her feet, and her crown has 12 stars on it. And the 12 stars represent the 12 tribes of Israel. So this is Israel. This is who we're talking about. She cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared to me, another billboard, another movie screen, another vision shows up, and an enormous, we don't usually talk about this guy at Christmas time, red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his head. Now, we know this red dragon is Satan, devil. And we know that because later on in the verses it actually names him so. So he has a tail that swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. John's letting us know what happened before the creation of the world when Satan was cast out of heaven and a third of the angels went with him. Next says this, and the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that she might, he might devour her child the moment that she was born. This is in a reference to Herod, remember in the traditional Christmas story, where Herod wanted to put a stop to this new king. He wanted to destroy this new king that was going to come and threaten 
his kingdom, but he was unsuccessful. She gave birth to a son, a male child. She gave birth to Jesus, Christ the Messiah, the Prince of Peace comes from her, who will rule all nations with an iron scepter. Iron scepter means ultimate power. Jesus rules with not some power, not a little power, but with ultimate power. And her child was snatched up into heaven to the throne. That's a vision of after Jesus is born, he's raised, he goes to the cross, he dies on the cross, he's raised from the grave, and he ascends into heaven. John sees the entire thing played out on a movie screen for him in his vision. This idea that from the very beginning of the world, the very beginning of of, of everything, Satan was there and he rebels against God. And from that, he begins to oppose everything that God is about. Conflict enters into the picture of this world from the very beginning. And he, can't, he knows that he can't beat God. He knows that he can't overcome God. So he turns his attention to God's creation. You and I, this world. He enters into the garden and ushers in evil to, to mankind. And for thousands of years, that's been his job, coming in to create confusion, suffering, and pain. And God's plan to end the conflict, to cover the conflict, to counter the conflict, was to offer up Jesus, the Prince of Peace. This one is the one that will bring an end to Satan's reign. He, Satan understands that his attempts are un, they're unsuccessful and they won't last. And because of the birth of Jesus Christ, because Jesus comes to this earth, peace will reign and Satan's fate has been sealed. Let's look at a couple more verses, 7, 8, and 9. It says this, then a war broke out in all of heaven. This huge war breaks out. A war between good and evil. Michael, the archangel, his job is to guard God's community of believers. And he fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But the dragon was not strong enough, and they were cast to heaven. Look at the next verse. Uh, The great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads, this is what he does, he leads the whole world astray. He creates havoc. He creates conflict for you and I. He is hurled to the earth, he and his angels. This battle between good and evil come. Michael, the archangel, shows up, and he and his angels fight against the devil and his angels, and Satan loses and cast to the earth. He's defeated because of this child that was born. This child was born so that he could die, so that he could rise, so that he could rule. Satan's not just done yet, but let me say yet. He continues to lead the world astray today, which is why you have conflict, which is why you and your parents aren't getting along, which is why you and your boss are not getting along, which is why you have physical limitations and ills, why you have bills. Conflict is constantly surrounding you. He wants to lead the world astray. He comes continually to attack those that follow God, those, even those that don't follow God, everything about God's creation. He's looking for those who are vulnerable And if you and I can understand this and grab a hold of this, we will begin to understand why it is that conflict happens and how it is that we can overcome it. If you can get that, if we can get that, it will help provide a little bit of peace that you and I need. If I can get that, it'll help provide a little bit of peace when I get behind the wheel of my car. 
Those are the things that we can do. There are some things that we can do to move forward in having personal peace, our own peace, that we can do to promote peace today. You probably agree that every one of us could use a little bit more peace, and you probably would agree with me that the world could use a little bit more world peace today. And if you don't think so, you just haven't been to the mall yet this Christmas season, right? I think as followers of Christ, the Prince prince of Peace is the person that we should be going to, we should be giving to. And he wants to lead the way for us. We, as followers of God, should be the biggest proponents of peace in the world. So if you need personal peace today, let me give you a couple of things that maybe why you don't have peace is because some of these things are going on. Look at this. Um, For you, one, um, maybe today you need to receive God's forgiveness Maybe you, have, you don't have peace with God in your heart right now because you've never received God's forgiveness. Romans 5 once says, therefore, since we are justified through faith, we have peace with God. See, God's provided you, if you're not a follower of his or a believer of his, he's provided you with a gift. And all you have to do is reach out and receive this gift. If you have inner turmoil today and you don't feel at peace with God, could it be potentially that you've never received the gift of God's forgiveness? There's another, there's another way, there's another thing that you can do to provide personal peace because you may not have peace with yourself. You say, I'm a Christian, but there's this struggle inside of me. These things that come up and the things that come up in yourself, you see in yourself or that you see in others. Maybe that's where you're focusing on. If you want to have personal peace, don't compare yourself to others. Try not to compare yourself to others. And I know what it sounds like. He has that. He drives that. He gets to go there. For some of you, it's she looks like that. Their kids do that. And we begin to compare with the people around us. And in order to have peace, we need to learn not to compare. God wants you to live your life, not their life. So if you have that conflict in your own spirit about yourself, maybe it's because you're comparing yourself to others. And then maybe you have conflict with others like I do. Maybe it's a relational thing sometimes that you have conflict with, with a boss, with a spouse, with an ex, with a boyfriend, with a neighbor, with an estranged son or daughter. Maybe it's another driver that you have conflict with. God says, listen, here's what you can do. We need to learn in order to have peace. You need to learn to accept others the way that they are, even if they're bad drivers. (laughs) Even if they make terrible decisions. Even if they've walked away from you. We've got to learn to accept others. These are the things that you and I can do to move towards a personal peace that we need and that we have in our life. And sometimes we don't have peace because we brought these things on ourselves. I want to encourage you today that if this is you, I want you to spend some time. I would encourage you to spend some time because this is one of the things that will help bring a little bit of peace to your situation. Now, Paul tells us in in, uh, Colossians chapter 3 verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your heart since members of one body you were called to peace. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And I I think that's something that Paul's told us that we need to do. It's something as followers of God, we need to be the greatest sharers of peace, spreaders of peace, and not conflict in our life. 
We need to be the best agents at that. And so I want to give you a few things today. Simple, listen to me, simple, easy things that you and I can do to maybe share a little bit of peace with this world that we live in. Maybe give a little bit of peace to those around us. Ways that you can bring peace to those around you and not bring conflict. Here's the first one. It's really easy. I told you, speak kindly. Promote peace by speaking kindly to other people and of other people. We begin with our children very when they're very young. Please and thank you. Speak kindly to people. I've been trying to work on that with the waitresses and the cashiers and the baristas in my life. I want to make that I want to speak kindly to them. I want to make them laugh. I want to have contact with them. I've been trying to do that, but it's a way to spread peace in this world. Just begin to speak kindly. Some of us are at the place where I don't speak bad, I just don't speak. Well, let me encourage you to begin to speak kindly to other people. Another one is laugh readily. Laugh readily. I used to tell my students in my youth group, if I'm involved and if I'm in charge of this youth ministry, we are going to have fun. It's going to be a blast. I want to be about that. For some of us, we need to laugh readily. We need to lighten up. We need to make life a little bit more fun. We need to make somebody smile. This past weekend, I was at a store, and I was buying something for $12. I get to the register, and the guy rings it up, and he says to me, that'll be $82.50. For underwear? And he said, I'm just kidding. It's only 13 whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I went, oh, good. He goes, I just wanted to make you laugh and smile. Are you having a good day? We need a little bit more of that in our lives. And listen, mom and dad... Let, your children aren't here to hear this, okay? But listen, let's say yes a little bit more than we say no. Animal crackers for breakfast? Yes. Yes, animal crackers for breakfast. Can, you know, now, if it's something like, can I burn the curtains down? No, no. But let's say yes more than we say no. Another one is work cheerfully. The company Life is Good has a motto that says... Do what you love, love what you do. And I think that's a great model that we need to have in the work that we do, whether we're, uh, whether we're in the home or out of the home, whatever business we're in, we need to have that model. Do what you love, love what you do. Listen, you spend a third of your week at that place anyways. Why not try to enjoy it and bring light to other people? Another one, give generously. Give generously. Why don't we become promoters uh, that contribute to peace and to other people. Be a promoter. Don't be a collector, right? We're good at collecting. Let's give generously and contribute to, to those and those things that are in need. And you know where they are and you know where that is. And listen, you, we've got stuff, right? Don't be a collector of stuff. We got houses full of stuff. We got garages full of stuff. We have garages that cars won't even go in, right? We've got stuff. We rent storage unit to put some of our stuff in. We've got stuff as Americans. Let's learn to give generously and promote peace that way. Another one is what if we forgave quickly? forgave quickly. Somebody once said to me, keep short accounts with other people. And I love that. Get it taken care of, get it discussed, get over with it, and keep short accounts with other people. And then the last one, I love this one, cheer loudly for other people. Let others know that you're for them, you're behind them, you're with them all the way. Be an enthusiastic support for other people. Celebrate other people. When I was in student ministry, 
One of the things I love to celebrate with a teenager that turns 16 is they'd get their driver's license. And inevitably, within a day or two of getting their license, they'd show up at my office and they'd have it in hand. Look what I got. And I can remember my first thought was, oh no, they've been on the road. (laughs) But then I'd take it from them and I'd look at it and I'd go, this is fantastic. This is awesome. Look at your picture. Oh, that's awesome. Look at that. You know what this means? This means freedom. You've worked so hard. You've waited so long, and now you have this. Or if they got their new car, they'd show up at my office, and they go, come look at my car. Come look what I'm driving. And they'd go down, and it'd be something nicer than I drive. <laughs> and I'd have to work really, really hard at this one <laughs> to cheer loudly. And I'd get in, and I'd sit. It smells new. Oh, it's awesome. And even if they got the, the hand-me-down, the beater car, I'd still do the same thing. I'd get in. This is awesome. This represents your freedom. And if it wasn't nice at all, I'd stand there and go, look at the tires. They're so round. <laughs> this is awesome. What a car. And I'd just cheer them on and support them. Let's cheer loudly for one another. Isn't that the stuff that we should be doing? Isn't that the way that we should Live. Hey, listen, can you imagine what your family would look like if everybody began to speak kindly, laugh a little bit more, forgive quickly, cheer each other on? I think peace might reign a little bit more than conflict. And then imagine this 2,000 people that will be in this room this morning. What if 2,000 people decided we're going to go out and we're going to live our lives where we speak kindly? We give generously. We cheer loudly. We laugh and we forgive. I think we would then be living, allowing that rule of peace in our life. Let the peace of God rule in our hearts. And I think, I honestly believe we could make a difference in this community. I think others who are far away from God would be drawn to you because of the peace that you have in your life and maybe be drawn because of the way you and I live, to the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace, who one day will bring peace on earth, goodwill to men. The story doesn't end there, by the way. One day Jesus returns. You can read the rest in Revelation. But one day, the trumpet will blast. And Jesus will return and bring peace on earth. It'll be over. The conflict will be over. And and he will reign. And there will be goodwill towards men. On Christmas Day, 1863, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote a poem that Christmas morning. Somebody else later came along and published it into a song that you remember as I heard the bells on Christmas Day. The poem is about the despair in his life that he felt upon hearing the Christmas bells ringing in his town. It was despair in his life because a year and a half earlier, his wife had died in an accidental fire. And a month prior to him writing the poem, he got word that his son was severely wounded in battle for fighting for the Union in the Civil War. And he wrote this depressing song about hearing the bells on Christmas Day. There cannot be peace in the world. It's not possible. One of the verses says this, And in despair I bowed my head, There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
And then somehow, confident hope arises. And in the midst of that conflict, in the midst of that despair, when all looked hopeless, he wrote the last verse. Hope comes through. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Stephen's going to come and sing that song. Would you just stay seated and listen to the words, especially the words of the last verse? Will you stand for closing prayer? I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward. They'll be down front. Maybe today you're one of those that has conflict with God because you've never received His forgiveness. Our prayer partners are here this morning. They would love to talk with you and share with you how you can receive God's love. Maybe you're here and you're neck deep in conflict. There's someone after you. There's, there's pressure from who knows where, bills and others. Maybe this morning you could come forward. I know our prayer partners would love to pray with you concerning that. And for the rest of us, maybe these things on how we could spread peace. Would you pick one or two of those? They're easy, folks. Listen, they're easy to remember. They're not always easy to do. But would we begin as a church? Imagine what our community would look like if we were out sharing peace 
on earth in every situation. You guys do a great job at that. Let's go the extra mile. Let's go the other step. Let me pray for you today. Father, thank you so much that evil will not prevail. It's good that prevails and that your son wins, that Jesus comes and provides for us peace on earth. We pray, God, that we would be great agents of peace in our community. Help the person who needs the courage to step forward, who's never received your forgiveness. Give them the courage to step forward today. May we honor you with our lives, but most importantly, we are grateful that you've come to save us and you call us your children. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.